Hey guys, this is your host Ken speaking and welcome back to another episode of Tech People. Today we will explore the intersection of technology and the financial industry. We will delve into the age-old question that haunts every decision maker. Should you buy, build or lease your software? It's not an easy question as the choice ultimately depends on a number of factors that are unique to each organization. To shed light on this topic, our special guest joining us today is Declan Chee, who has over 25 years of experience in financial technology. He explains each of the options in detail, pros and cons, and how you can define your decision criteria. He also shares his experience of onshoring, nearshoring, and offshoring, and what strategy he would use to approach this topic. So welcome to the show, Declan. Hey, Ken. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Declan, and great to speak with you again. And it's great to be talking today and sharing your experience about the age-long debate on whether to buy, build, or lease. But before we go there, maybe you could just tell us a bit about you and your background, please. Yeah, very happy to. I, if you go way back, I started off university in Ireland. There was a degree called Business Information Systems back in 96. And it's quite cutting edge because it blended technology business, as in like accounting, finance, yeah. and psychology, um, human resources, people, the people element of it. And I have to admit that was 1996. And now, many years later, they are the three cores of, of what I do. So that was great. I came over to, to London. I, got, I had the pleasure of working for HSBC for over 18 years. It was a wow. it was a startup kind of element within HSBC and the alternative side. And we yeah. built it up into a multi-billion dollar business, which is very successful. And I really enjoyed that. And I wanted to venture out with different challenges. And I worked with a family office. I spent a lot of time working with a fintech, which is nice being on the other side, because when you're, I guess, when you're working for a financial institution, you're, we'll talk about, you're building quite a lot. Yeah. And you're creating this kind of technology operation models. Then I jumped yeah. on the other side, becoming a vendor, which I thought was really good fun. And um, so that kind of summarizes my, my history. Listen, thank you for coming on the show today. We know we're going to talk about the whole question on whether you buy, build, or lease. But we don't want to make any assumptions for our audience. So maybe you could help us to start by explaining what's your understanding of buy, build, or lease. Well, buy, build, and lease. It comes to a situation, there's either an executive committee or there's a board. And we realize there's an opportunity or there is an issue within an organization. And you need to kind of improve some operational procedure or there's an opportunity where you can potentially generate revenues. And then it's going to involve some technological element in that solution. And then the question is, do you build it yourself? Do you build this solution to solve this particular problem or opportunity? Do you lease software? Do you find a vendor outside of your organization who's excellent at what they do? And then you lease their technology? Or potentially in some cases, do you buy? Do you realize, well, this technology firm is exactly what I need. I'm going to buy the people. I'm going to buy the technology. I'm going to buy the distribution channel. So there are kind of the three options generally you have between buy, build, and lease. And I gave a kind of a brief history of my career. I think I've been talking about buy, build, and lease probably since about the year 2000. So it's a recurring question. It never changes. You've had a number of different experiences with different companies in this phase. How did you approach that challenge? Well, I think for any good, good solution, you find out what's your current solution. If it's something you're doing right now, you find out, well, how am I carrying out right now? What's my current procedure? What's my current steps? What's my approach? If it's something brand new, if you're expanding your business, going to some new area, then you need to try and figure out how would I do it? That's the first step. Then you need to assess, well, what's the problem? What's the opportunity you've identified? Or what's the problem or the the opportunity you've identified? And then what are your barriers to finding a solution? Do you have the technical knowledge? Do you have the intellectual knowledge? Do you have the subject matter knowledge? 
Is there budget restraints? Are there vendors that can provide that service? Uh, you need to find out what are your barriers? Like, have you tried something like this before and it's failed? And you have to question why. And then the last thing you need to ask, well, once we've applied this money, sorry, applied the, the financial capital, my time, my effort, post-investment, what would success look like? Because based one of these decisions, it takes a lot of time and investment. You really need to ask yourself, so what would success look like after I've carried out this activity? You could just give us maybe one example of what success looks like for maybe something that you've gone through. I think research is always an interesting one. So you have a team's carrying out research. And I guess in the most basic form of research, it's Word documents and it's emails and it's calendar invites. And then you may write your opinion on top in uh, on a Word document. And that's okay when there's like four or five people. But if you have a research team doing research and you go up to say 20 or 80 people, it becomes more complicated. And then as your business is growing, and maybe you have 15 documents, but then you're then you have like three years of history. Well, how can you track all that stuff? The, creating a good relationship management system where you can track all this research, you can search and you can find out maybe an opinion or a document of five years ago, what's the connections between all these different data, that becomes invaluable to an organization and it empowers you because we're, we're in an age now where your data is key. And if you have all this data in your, in your environment, but you're not using it properly, then basically you're not really investing the best as you could with your, in, in your platform. And you mentioned there, I mean, obviously for a small business, Five, 10 people, would you also work in the corporate style and work in medium sized companies? I mean, I guess for each, it's different for each of those businesses. I mean, how would you go about defining the decision criteria, you know, for the different areas? Yeah. So, so it's a for decision criteria. Well, the first one is the size of your teams. Being honest, the size of your company, if you're between five and 15 people, are you going to have that technical knowledge to do this? Of your five and 15 people, do you want 10 people who are technical people developing? Or the other side of it, if you have three really important people, maybe salespeople are generating revenues, do you want them focusing on this? So that gives you maybe a criteria that maybe I should lease. When you go up to 300 plus, then you have a lot more people. And then it's going to come to your questions then where it's on budget, where like 300 people, it's, it's a high cost when you have a lot of people. And then the question is, well, have X amount of budget, what's the best way to spend this money? That's one on scale. And then of course, you should always, the criteria should always link to revenue. While I'm th this month, this cost that I'm spending will increase my revenues or will it reduce my operational, reputational, or financial risk. How about the, the IP aspect? So that's a key element as well, the, the IP aspect. That's where the bill comes in. I think in this day and age, data is key. So most firms, if they have a good data, it makes sense to build your, you know, your platforms around it to, to do your analysis. For example, like a, I know, a CRM system or an accounting system. There's quite a lot of them out there now. So like, you would like, you wouldn't necessarily build your own accounting system because there's so many of them there, but you would potentially build your own data platform, your analytics. You would just start using this quite interesting AI, machine learning, all this stuff out there now. So it makes a lot of sense to build that. You would probably build your own reporting as well, because you know, with your reporting, you want to make it bespoke, your own intellectual kind of property. You probably want to integrate all of these elements, integrate all this data sense, all these systems together, create something new. So that's where your IP comes in. But I don't think you necessarily want the first CRM accounting platforms uh, like that. Okay, makes sense. How about like doing a mix, you know, IP, you build a part of it and you, you use some third-party products. Is that something you'd recommend? That's the ideal model. I guess you look at layers and foundations, as you mentioned. So what, it's maybe easy when you're talking about a, a smaller company. So a, a smaller company starts, well, a fundamental is what they need. Well, they need an accounting system for their books. So you lease the accounting system. 
you probably start like you want to go there maybe like like pipeline tracking generating revenues you get a crm system but then for the clients you want to give the client themselves a very unique experience so one thing would be potentially the product offering itself if it's a very unique product offering then you want to develop yourself and then the second unique offering would be the reporting so you want to give them very transparency insight into what you're doing but all these systems interact with each other and I guess that's what's great about infrastructure nowadays and, and, and languages and building that there's so many interfaces and APIs where you can have a system that you're leasing connected to a system that you've built yourself and you can bring them together. Okay. Very cool. And then, you know, what I mean, it's obviously there's a number of natural stereo I mean, around the whole viability lease. But for you, I mean, what are the pros and cons of each of the options, would you say? Well, I think the, for example, if we start thinking about the bills, you hit the nail on the head, the IP. Intellectual property, you own this. No one else has this. This can give you commercial value potentially because you can pitch it to your client base and go, well, I'm the only person that has this. You'd also find when at points where no one else has thought of the solution. You're like, over my career, there was different points where there wasn't options to lease that you would build. So that's a prime time to build uh, and you can create a bespoke service. Obviously, the corner of building, you have to have that talent. So I guess when we say the word building, people think building is creating a technological solution. There's also the maintenance afterwards. There's the cybersecurity. There is the, the hosting of it. There's, there's a clients asking questions about you, you've created this technology and you need to support it when it goes down. What I found kind of interesting on a build is maybe you're European based and you build this solution, but then your business becomes international and all of a sudden you have to support this thing that you built in Hong Kong and also in, in the US. All of a sudden it becomes a 24 hour support and then that can kind of catch you. Um, so, that, so that's maybe, maybe that's some of the challenges of build. But then if you build it yourself, but potentially if you go with a partner and you go to maybe an established vendor who actually does have around-the-clock maintenance and has maybe the, the technical knowledge to help you build, then that's an option because you can split build into two, I guess, two paradigms if you want to. One, where you build it yourself, or two, you get a partner. And I guess the key for getting a partner is that you don't think about building that one peak of technology. You want a partner for building technology, maintaining it, and all future builds as well. But what you find, a, a, a lot of people, they blend their own in-house tech with right. potentially a partner, especially because technology changes so much. Now we talk about AI, we talk about big data, we talk about blockchain. So you may have some very technically sufficient people to build in your own environment, but you may necessarily know the, the newer technologies. And that's where you potentially would, would partner. And that could potentially cancel out the cons of building. Okay. And how about the buy option then? Well, well the buy option is, is very... It's sort of very particular use cases. So the pros of buying. So you get a distribution channel with you. So the idea is if you are a firm and you're in a particular market and then you see another firm that's providing an extra service via technology to your market, if you buy that solution, not only will you get the solution, but you also get the distribution channel of their clients. You can start cross-selling your products. You get entire teams. So we mentioned a moment ago, potentially you don't have the technological expert within your organization. If you buy a technological solution, you will inherently get that team with the skill set as well. And also you'll, you'll get income streams and speed to market because I guess one of the cons of building, it takes time. And that's one of the biggest challenges I think of building. If you buy or you lease, you generally get stuff off the shelf pretty quickly while building can take longer. Obviously the cons of buying, it costs expensive. <laughs> that's an excellent yeah. most predictable firms have been built on. So in a very simple form, if, if there's a firm that's making say a million revenue a year, to acquire that, you're going to have to spend 15 times that, but that's the kind of the rate, 15 EBITDA. So that means straight away, you acquire this company, you're at a loss. 
So you're going to have to start thinking, well, how can I generate revenues very quickly from this, this firm that I've bought? And also, when you buy these firms, you have issues maybe uh, knowledge train. People may will potentially leave. Essentially, culture clashes. Maybe how you approach business is different than the firm that you buy. So there are some of the cons you'd have to think of. Well, a lot to analyze there. How about the lease option? Yeah, lease is quite interesting. Lease has been around for a while, but really after the financial, this thing really came into its own because a lot of organizations have been fo- were focusing on compliance and focusing on risk. And they couldn't, they weren't as agile as they used to be. And then this advent of fintech came out and quite a lot of fintech solutions, really good fintech solutions came out. And also, I guess we're at a technological age where a lot of issues that may be in early 2000s, vendors have started creating solutions. So the, the, the great thing about leasing is speed to market. So you have something that's potentially used by 15 other, other firms that are similar to you. It's a foundational technology. It's not something that's going to give you IP or cutting edge. It's just something that you need to run your business. Very simple. You could say like um, Azure or cloud. Like, why would you create your own cloud? Why would you even like create Word or Office or like the Office Suite? I think it's going to be pretty silly to build the Office Suite. Yeah. Just, just lease it. And that's where this, and the synergies kind of come in. And also, I guess one of the pros of leasing as well is the training that you get this vendor who will work with you and, and kind of give you the training element of as well. But then there's cons to leasing also. You mentioned about private equity firms. A lot of these vendors, their goal is to sell. The ultimate goal is, is to get that 15 times revenues. <laughs> so you, you go to a partnership with them today, and then potentially they could sell next year. And nice. then once it's going into this other firm, they have the challenge because they spend 15 times the revenue. So all of a sudden, the customer service goes, you know, the, the quality, they start, they're not investing as much into the, into the technology anymore. So that can be a challenge. And then vendor management, there's different skill sets. So if you're building, you have certain people in your firm who technically enable, who know how to build. But if you're leasing, you need to do vendor management. You start looking at all the, your contracts, your SLAs, your agreements, your oversight. How, how are we going to manage this vendor? And it's a slightly different skill set. And also, as we mentioned kind of a little bit as well, you just lose your competitive edge in that piece. If you believe what you're leasing is key to your competitive edge, then you're losing that competitive edge because other your competitors could have that technology also. Yeah, and I think ownership of data also the big one. Yeah, data is a key piece. And, and actually, that's a key thing on the lease. If, if you're leasing, one of the big things when you're looking at the contract, you need to make sure that all your data remains your data. Most leasing nowadays are cloud-based solutions, unless it's a very complicated kind of counting kind of structure. Even most of them are kind of cloud as well. And a large part of it is is having a good legals, having good lawyers, where you make sure that your data is yours at, at all times and no one else can access your data. Have you got a personal preference? I think I, it comes down to what you might ask you a bit earlier on, Ken, about the, the criteria on the particular solution. If there's something that's out there and it works, then why not lease? If it does the job and you can just, it's a cloud-based solution, you lease it, you get an empty shell, very quickly you configure it and it solves the exact problem that you're looking at, then lease. I would say definitely kind of lease. Sorry, I would say definitely lease. When it comes into building, it's yours. It's a part of your own business, like your data. We spoke about data. I think you build your own data around it. You also can build your own integration because you may have three or four products or systems or tools that you've leased. You have one or two pieces that you've built, but you want to integrate them all. And that's where build becomes key. I think generally buy is more software firms and tech firms or, or if you want to expand your market where I would generally buy to, I want to get a lot of people, good people in together who've worked in a team already because you, you acquire talent when you buy. I'd also look to buy or their distribution channel. So this company that you're buying, who are their clients? I generally wouldn't buy per se as much for the technology itself. 
Okay. Unless it's really bleeding edge. And do you find that, you know, when you talk to many of these clients that they're leaning towards one direction or do they just find, where do we start here? This comes down to the size of the firm. So if okay. you're, we'll go back again, it's, it's a nice full circle in our conversation. If you go back to a firm that's between five to 20 people, even between 20 to 200 people, and they're just starting up revenues, they don't necessarily want to have a big spend on technology when they're just building up their business and their revenue streams. So leasing is kind of an option because if this business opportunity is not sustainable, they've only leased, they haven't actually built an entire system, but then they get bigger. And then they go from, say, 20 people or 50 people to 100, 200 people. Then they need a, a bigger infrastructure. And then the question, do one of them be dependent on all the, this, this leased software? Let's start building what's unique to me. What makes us different? How can we get our, our competitive edge? That's where you start building. You'd also start building even in the early days. If you've got like a couple of really smart people and they can start doing, in my world, I found it is data analytics. You tend to build your own data analytics. You get your own quantitative data. And you can build your own scenarios. You know, what if this happens? What if this happens for your own business? Or you can sell it to other people as well. So that's where you tend to do the, the build. You generally wouldn't buy in the early days. And then you get bigger again. You go to the 300, 400 plus people. Sometimes, or even thousands of people. Sometimes leasing is good because there's less politics regards to budget. But then building can be key because you want to create something that's very bespoke that hasn't been created yet. And that's where build kind of comes in. So it really comes down to the size of the company and the particular problem you're trying to trying to solve. Okay. And I mean, you have a lot of experience that work with different companies, and I guess you've learned a lot along the journey. So was there any recommendations you give in terms of what worked well and not so well in your experience? Yeah, but I think leasing, one of the key things about leasing is that they can oversell. They have a very trained sales team that have done a lot of psychological courses, a lot of pieces for they'll well, they'll basically they're they're trained to sell and potentially they can oversell. So by the time they've finished selling and you actually have the product, it, it can be different. Not all vendors, so there's, there's a trust element there. And similar probably with, with the build partner, you need to make sure that when you're leasing that they're focusing, not just focusing on closing the deal, but order the long-term relationship. And also when you're leasing, you need to worry about vendor management. So that's maybe kind of a slight, if you don't get those two things right and the contract, the legal contract is key because the legal contract will have the SLAs if they're not providing the service. So there's that kind of nuance. If they're not done correctly, then leasing can become very costly because if it doesn't go well, so you got this great salesperson who's this amazing kind of pitch. Generally, what to put in a system can take, say, six months or getting maybe data is a little bit quicker. Then you find out maybe eight months later, well, it's just not really what I want. Then you're back to day one again and you've already did a legal contract where you're with the standard for a period of time. So that's something we kind of watch out for, for lease. For build, I'll split build into two kind of elements. Build for you're building yourself and builds where you get a partner. Build for you're building yourself. I think the biggest challenge is, is the time, how long it takes to build, and who has the subject matter expert in what you're building. Because you may find that the people of the subject matter expert to help you, not the technology, but the you know the sort the problem you're trying to solve, they have limited time and they're necessarily skilled in communicating what they really want from a system. So you could go in and build something and then come back and it's not necessarily what they want. And then the time to marketing take time. And then also just getting the right talent to help build. And then we mentioned about earlier on about build. It's not just building, it's maintaining afterwards. And it's cybersecurity and it's hosting this solution that you've built. So that's kind of complicated. The challenges from a buy, I, I would suggest, again, it's different skill sets. It's a due diligence process. You're going to have maybe potentially a, an owner who has built up this business. They're going to really 
pitch it in a very strong way. They're not necessarily going to want to just sell it at, at a low point. You're going to find post-acquisition, basically the keeping that talent, and then the pressures to get returns afterwards. So the buy is probably the biggest claimant on capital, and because you can a large amount. Lease is probably the least amount on capital, but the large amount on time. And build is probably a blend on both. But then the, the, the final element on build is when you're building with a partner. Again, just don't think about the solution you're trying to solve. Think about, the, similar to lease, think about the, the partner. Is it a partner that, that you trust? Is it a partner that you want, you want to work with? Does, like, is the client experience more important to them? Just kind of like kind of billing you for a particular, particular service. So if you can find the right partner that way, then it, in many ways, just looking at an extension of people you have within your own organization. And that can become very, very powerful and very successful. Oh, thank you, Declan. Listen, thank you so much for your time today and, and made fantastic insights. If people would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way? LinkedIn is probably the, the best way to search. If you search Declan Sheehy on LinkedIn, I think it'll come across pretty quickly. I don't think there's too many Declan Sheehy's on LinkedIn at the moment. Fantastic, Declan. Listen, thank you for your time today. Thanks for your time, Ken.